Hello, and welcome to the Hearth and Hedge podcast. My name is Amberly, And I am Margo, and we are very happy to have you here. Merry meat. Merry meat. Speaking of meat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Uh, So we have a fun one for you guys today. Um, As we've talked about in previous episodes, Amberly and I have a lot of events coming up. Um, Amberly has the Scottish Games followed immediately by Anahatas, um, and I have Anahatas and a couple other things. So to make the workload a little bit easier on ourselves, we decided to just have a fun episode. And this idea came to us because someone in our Marco group one day, I can't remember who it was, but somebody uh, one day came onto the Marco group and was like, hey guys, did you ever hear of the wacky witch theory um, that witches used to steal penises and keep them as pets? And we all basically went off on a tangent as mm-hmm. as one does when given that piece of information. <laughs> uh, and Amberly and I came up with the idea to compile a list of completely insane beliefs about witches, mostly from the Middle Ages, and um, give our opinions and commentary on each one. So this is going to be a fun one. Yeah, I'm excited about it. We haven't discussed them other than that little thing on on the Marco group. We haven't discussed them together before. So this is all candid, like, (laughs) (laughs) first reactions. Let's do it. Um, Should I start off or do you want to start off? Um, you start off. Okay. I'll start with the first one, which I already referenced. Um, the belief that witches would steal penises and kept them as pets in the Middle Ages. I'm reading this directly from omgfacts.com by Paige Mumy. It's from six years ago. Um, hopefully someone has debunked this by now. Probably not. <laughs> but here we go. How could you possibly debunk that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Okay, so men are so concerned with their penises, they grab themselves the second you approach it with a baseball bat. These irrationally perceived penis threats have been happening for ages and with far more ridiculous paranoia. None, however, top the myth of dick-robbing witches. One of the first recorded penis panics occurred in the text Malleus Maleficarum during the 15th century. The book was a witch-hunting manual written by German clergyman Heinrich Kramer. Although the literature is typically regarded as foolish and misogynist, it happened to result in brutal murders of many people accused of witchcraft. In Malleus, Kramer describes several iterations of dick torture, which is subscribed to, because women need options. According to the text, witches would make men's dicks invisible, using their magic, of course. Kramer accounted that they could, quote, take away the male organ, not indeed by despoiling the human body of it, but by concealing it with some glamour. The next mention of dick abuse is far more entertaining. Kramer claims witches kept disembodied pieces as, sorry, Kramer claimed (laughs) witches kept (laughs) disembodied penises as pets. The witches stole penises, stored them in birds' nests, and kept them alive by feeding them oats and other grains. To quote Kramer, 
Witches collect male organs in great numbers, as many as 20 or 30 members together, and put them in a bird's nest or shut them in a box. They move themselves like living members and eat oats and corn, as has been seen by many, Kramer wrote. (laughs) You hear that? Tons of people witnessed these dicks flopping around, chewing on an ear of corn or sucking down a bowl of (laughs) porridge. What a time to be alive. (laughs) Well, first of all, before we get into the whole penis pet. Oh, yeah, we did forget something, didn't we? Oh, no, I was going to go straight into it, too. I was going to say, I was going to say that uh, the, uh, (laughs) the fact that he's saying that witches make them disappear. Right. It's just, you know... Could you imagine? Just imagine if one of your powers was to be like, oh, what did you say to me? (laughs) (laughs) But I I think I know what was really, I think I know what was really happening here. Oh, what's that? I I think these were middle-aged dildos and people just didn't know what to make of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I bet women figured out a way to carve a wooden dildo. Ugh, wouldn't I know horrible but I don't think they had like rubber or latex back then right plastic of any so. sort so it would probably have to be wood yikes but I think these were wooden dildos I think people saw dildos and lost their shit mm-hmm. and then decided to blame witches <laughs> yeah men were men were upset that their wives were getting their pleasure from not from them <laughs> right so they told Kramer and he was like, listen, this is actually what's happening. It's got to be dildos. That's that is that I am going to stand firmly on that. It's got to be dildos. And then whisper down the lane happens. And like, did you did you her dildo was flopping around and mm-hmm. she was feeding it? No. Yeah, she wasn't feeding it. <laughs> I'm not so sure where the feeding it could possibly come from, but yeah. I mean, you know, you typically feed a dildo by putting batteries in it. I I don't know. know. (laughs) Well, can we talk for just a second about the fucking graphic on that that article? It's a it's a penis with a collar that says Spanky. (laughs) It just fucking kills me. I mean, what would you name a pet penis? I would name it um, Peepers. Peepers? Okay, that's a good yeah. one. Peepers! I got that directly <laughs> from that show. Um, I can't remember the name of the show, but just Peepers comes to mind. I don't know what I would Fergus. One-Eyed Willie? Ooh. <laughs> that's a good one. All right, well, we actually have several more of these hilariously ridiculous witch beliefs from the Middle Ages, but I did realize that we forgot to do our... Beverage and book. So Beverage and do, book. Do you want to do that real quick and then we'll move on to the rest, taking a quick break to uh, discuss what you're drinking? Yeah, so I'm actually drinking um, Season of the Bitch, again, from uh, Backwood, is it Backwoods Botanicals and Brews or Backwoods Brews and Botanicals? Always Backwood. fucking it up and I'm sorry, Tabitha, I love you. Backwoods Brews and Botanicals. Okay, okay. But it's delicious. I have cramps. It's the best when you have cramps. Season of the bitch. That is what I'm drinking. What are you drinking? How appropriate. 
Well, I actually got uh, so excited to get started on this recording that I jumped in here and left my coffee behind, but I was drinking coffee from this morning that I've reheated three times. I do that every once in a while, whatever. Uh, it was a nice dark Sumatra, mm. and now it's just off in another room somewhere being sad because I forgot it. Damn it. Well, are you reading anything good? Uh, well, yes, yes, yes. Um, I'm still actually reading The uh, Path of the Hearth Witch, mm-hmm. which is a book that I am planning on reviewing as soon as possible. But today, I'm actually reading The Grimoire Journal, A Place to Record Spells, Rituals, Recipes, and More by Paige Vanderbeck. It is actually a gift that Amber Lee, you gave to me. And I was flipping through it today. I uh, occasionally go in there and, you know, play with a few pages. That's um, the way the book is formatted, like a journal, but with a lot of fun, magical stuff inside. Um, So I come back to it every once in a while and fill in a few pages and pick up a new recipe or spell. And I'm going to be sharing a spell from this book at the end of our episode. Very nice. I'm excited to hear it. What are you reading? Um, I'm actually, I, I started reading the kitchen, which or not the kitchen, witchery, the, the hedge witchery book that you were mm-hmm. reading, but I'm also listening to the second <laughs> book in that series that I was talking about last time by CJ Archer, the second book of the, after the rift series called the echo of broken dreams, because I went through the first one so fast. Nice. It was so good. Nice. Yeah. So that's what I'm listening to because I've been doing chores all weekend. It always helps to have a good podcast or a good book to listen to while doing chores. Absolutely. For sure. Unless you're doing a deep cleaning and blasting music is part of the whole process. And, you know, throw in some sound clearing and just crank it up and play something in- incredibly obnoxious to chase all the bad shit out of the house. I absolutely love doing that. But when I'm not doing that, I'll just listen to a book or a podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I was sewing and pulling weeds, so no sound clearing for me. <laughs> Do you want to take a minute to go grab your coffee? Uh, now nah, we'll just leave it out there. Screw it. Okay. I will. I will get it in between. All right. Sounds great. All right. So let's dive back into the complete hysteria. Hysteria. (laughs) That is crazy historical beliefs about witches. Did you want to take the next one? Up to you. Um, Yes, I can do that. So this one is... So seven crazy historical beliefs about witches. Uh, this is from Bustle.com by J.R. Thorpe. <laughs> the superstition is that they kidnap boys, kidnapped boys, to get their livers for love potions. Uh, belief in witches of various kinds has been around for thousands of years. The Greeks and Romans seem to have a streak of worry about it, though it was frequently satirized by their poets as nonsensical and backward. Horace, a lyric Roman poet under the emperor Augustus, made one particular witch famous, Canidia, who apparently buried boys alive to fatten their livers. Uh, Horace wrote in one of his epodes, is it epodes, epodes? I'm going to go with epodes, that Canidia, who was apparently actually one of his ex-girlfriends, a perfumer named Gratidia. Wow, I chose the one with all the... (laughs) 
all the weird names. <laughs> named Gratidia and must have been really pleased by his poem, got up to some thoroughly ridiculous and revolting rites about Rome, including kidnapping a boy, burying him up to his neck, and taunting him with food to enlarge his liver. She apparently wanted his liver for a love potion, though what good it would do was anybody's guess. Horace, who would in today's world be the kind of dude to spread rumors about exes on social media, followed up with a poem where Canidia's rights got so disgusting that they made a god fart with fright. Charming. <laughs> Have you ever heard of something so revolting that it made god fart? No. What is that even? How is that a, a response to seeing something horrible to just well, pass gas? I don't I, know. Like maybe he had nervous belly. He was like, please don't hurt my liver. <laughs> irritable bowels. Do not scare him and freak him out with your disgusting <laughs> witchcraft. Okay. That's fucking hilarious. Oh, I honestly don't have an explanation for this one. I thought I would be able to jump on here and be like, you know what? I'm going to debunk this. This is what this probably was. But I, I don't, I don't, I just hope that it's not true. Um, but just because potentially one disturbed person did a horrible thing, you know, I'm not a fan that it automatically gets attributed to all witches, of course. Right. I mean, right. I peed on my property during a warding spell. Do you think I meet a fellow witch and automatically just go up to her and be like, so how's the pissing going? You know, no, <laughs> she might not be a pisser. You just don't do that. You don't assume that everybody's doing the same thing that one right. witch is doing. Right. <laughs> I only bury my guys up to their chest. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I, I got nothing for this one. I got, I got nothing. Right, yeah, uh, it's pretty, pretty silly. Except I've ne I hope I've never made God fart <laughs> out of fear. Of my actions, he was, or maybe he was fartled. I mean, he was fartled. <laughs> wow! <laughs> ah, that was good. I'm, I'm not sorry. No, good. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't be at all. All right. Oh my gosh. The next one, that they could make themselves invisible with lard. Mm. Okay. If only this were so simple. It's now generally well known that the admissions made by medieval witches about flying through the air and having bizarre orgies were very possibly delusions brought on by ritual application of hallucinogenic substances like ergot fungus and belladonna to the body. They rub them on brooms to absorb the substance through their genitalia, apparently. Apparently. Yeah, sure. That's what they did. Duh. Uh, but there were other applications that were supposed to provide services beyond flying and getting high on the mountaintops. In the Encyclopedia of Witches, Witchcraft, and Wicca, Rosemary Guiley describes an ointment for invisibility, vervain leaves steeped in lard and then rubbed all over the body. Sticky. She also mentions one theorist's idea that witches wore these sticky substances to slip out of the hands of anybody who tried to apprehend them. Clever. It's like being soaked in Dawn dish detergent. Nobody can hold on to you. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I feel like they wouldn't have been. Well, obviously, they wouldn't have been invisible. No. But the, the, 
the slipping out of people's hands thing is is definitely yeah you can't get me and if you do get me you can't keep me so fuck right off so my Um, my um my past is coming back to haunt me right now because (laughs) i don't know if you have ever gone to a children's rodeo or a rodeo um, at all I went to a rodeo when I was very young. Maybe it was a children's rodeo. Are children participating? In the children's rodeo, they do, yes. Uh, Okay, no. I went to – I was taken to a regular rodeo when I was very young. Well, the children's rodeo was always the first rodeo of the season uh, where where I come from. And (laughs) they would slick up the pigs, cover the pigs in oil, and then it was like the pig – wrangle i'm sure it has a different name but the kids would have to go catch these fucking pigs (laughs) (laughs) sounds sounds hilarious and a little bit cruel but still hilarious well it is it is the rodeo so but that's just what it reminds me of okay so i've looked up the magical properties of vervain because that is not readily available in my brain shame on me But magical properties include love, protection, purification, money, sleep, and healing. Um, And it's a very good cleanser of stagnant energy and opens up psychic channels, uh, defending from evil influences and mental attacks. Nothing about invisibility. You know, invisibility magic is, is really about going unnoticed when you want to, like, just fly under the radar. Um, So maybe that's a thing, but... I'll opt for a lotion over some lard. A, n- a nice yeah. a nice creamy lotion will do just fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Lard is um although wonderful for baking, definitely not yeah. something that's going to make you invisible. No, unless, you know, it just makes you so gross that people avoid looking at you. I know. They're like, I don't see her. I don't see her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't see you. Please leave. You are gross. Don't touch me. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. All right. Do you want to do the next one? Sure. That they were women who died from neglect and returned to eat flesh. Oh. This one actually still holds sway in the folklore of various parts of East Asia and India. The notion of a churl which may or may not be how you say that, a kind of witch ghost that comes back from the dead to eat the flesh of the living is the kind of story you use to terrify your small children. And it's been part of regional legend for centuries. There's a horror film about them currently looking for funding on Kickstarter. If that's not a sign of modernity, I don't know what is. (laughs) And it's not something you want to come across in a dark alley. Churls are frankly kind of brilliant. They're allegedly the, re- the returned forms of women who died as a result of neglect or maltreatment by their families and want revenge. Apparently, they'd seduce their male relatives in disguise and drain their sperm as well as their blood if they felt like it. Hmm. Hey, abusers beware. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> you know, if that's real, you shouldn't have anything to worry about. If yeah. you do have something to worry about, then fuck you anyway, right? Yeah. That does kind of sound like, you know, with the origins being 
East Asia and India, it kind of it's kind of like, oh, did you hear this legend? And it's people who spread the legends that don't quite understand them, like really scary tales. Like you know, with mm-hmm. the, over here in the United States, they're they're always telling scary stories of things being built on Indian burial grounds, which is like entirely disrespectful and a complete misunderstanding of any sort of information you know that is actually truth you know behind a piece of land but uh you know scaring children is always good because sometimes they need to just like chill (laughs) yeah truth i would think it was kind of more like a story that was spread so that husbands were afraid to be yeah why would that wives yeah I don't know why or that maybe, would so maybe it was scare to children. Like make scare the little boys so they'll grow up to be nice men. That's a good one. Yeah. I think that's actually a really good idea. Parents, scare the shit out of your kids <laughs> so they don't grow up to be abusers. <laughs> so they don't grow up to be assholes. <laughs> Parenting advice. We're changing our whole direction of this this podcast. <laughs> Oh goodness. <laughs> All right. I'll hit the I'll hit the next one. So the next crazy belief is that they could curse people with knots tied to feathers. Um, well, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll I'll read on, but I'm just gonna say, yeah. Okay, uh, so we know about this idea concerning witches' handy abilities with a piece of string and some leftover bird bits from something called the Salic Law the ancient Frankish legal code that was put together in around 500 AD. Witchcraft is addressed in it, and one of the particular things to be wary of, apparently, is something called a witch's knot. It was basically a length of cord or rope with mystical knots in it. Not just any knots, mystical knots. Some of which had black bird feathers inserted into them. Sounds desperately unhygienic and like a waste of good rope, whatever man but the franks weren't kidding it was thought to be responsible for illnesses curses death and bad weather if the knots weren't found and undone in the proper fashion uh okay i know exactly what's going on here i'm, I'm about to geek out if if you'll let me yes please geek away okay so what they did here is they are conflating a witch's ladder and a wind knot. So a wind knot uh, is something that used to be sold to sailors by witches or cunning folk, whatever you want to refer to them as. And they would take a piece of rope out on a windy day and do a ritual that consisted of them capturing the power of the wind in each knot. And then they would take these wind knots and sell it to sailors and sailors would buy them and use them if they ever were caught, you know, floating out in the middle of the ocean with no wind to pull their their ship along. So um, typically they would have three knots in them. The first knot would give you like a small gust of wind. The second knot would give you like a big old gale. And the third knot would just be like, we're going home. You're getting a storm, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Modern witches actually still use wind knots because they're tied to the air elements so a wind knot could also provide you with fresh inspiration or insight or new ideas so you could create a wind knot for yourself and then use it when you have say like writer's block so it's 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 a very simple concept now the witch's ladder is in fact 
the series of knots where you can add feathers, you can add paper petitions, you can add crystals and rocks, you can add bones, you can add anything you want to it, but you can also put any magical intention in it that you want. So yes, of course, somebody could use a witch's ladder to curse or hex because it's you literally make it to do whatever you want. I've made a witch's ladder for abundance and prosperity for my family. It's still a witch's ladder. I mean, it's it's no different than someone going to church and lighting a candle and and praying that, you know, their fellow PTA member gets COVID and can't go to the big fundraiser and then you become the head honcho at the PTA, you know, like <laughs> Anybody can do some bad shit, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, this is, I guess this is true. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Very good. I have, I have nothing to refute your claims. <clears throat> I'm a nerd, y'all. Okay. Actually, I love listening to you. You are incredibly knowledgeable in Thank you. witchcraft. Thank you very um, much. You are. I learn something from you every day. Sometimes it's just how to say something really snarky, but I always learn from you every day. (laughs) Always important. Yes. Okay. That they could be thwarted by using salt and pee. Salt has been regarded as a protective substance against witches since the Middle Ages and perhaps earlier. The affinity between salt hatred and the devil is probably where the ritual of tossing it over your shoulder if you spill any at the dinner table came from. But if you wanted to really cause a medieval European witch some issues, you needed a ladder, a salt pouch, and a full bladder. Oh. It sounds dangerous. I can't carry uh, around a ladder with a full bladder. I know. I, don't, I can't even believe I just managed to say that sentence. But, right. Allegedly, if a spell had been put on you by a witch... And they had a wide variety up their sleeves, according to Malleus Maleficarum, using cocks testicles to cause impotence, kidnapping penises, and stealing milk from cows, amongst other difficulties. Goodness me. You could break it by stealing one of their roof's tiles and cooking it in salt and urine over a fire. If nothing else, they'd get rained on. But your entire fucking house is going to smell like urine. Yeah. Also, uh, I can't imagine anything more disgusting and possibly harmful to my cookware. Right. Than the combination of salt and urine being boiled in it with okay. a, a tile. Uh, and can we go back to, they had a variety up their sleeves, according to Malleus Maleficarium, using cock's tex- testicles to cause impotence. Kidnapping penises, of course, we already covered that. That's a thing. And stealing milk from cows. <laughs> so we very quickly went from attacking the male genitalia to just, I'm really hungry. I'm going to take some right. milk from this cow. Some milk from this cow. Yeah. <laughs> My kids need something. Like, what? <laughs> uh... So for for debunking this one, I don't think it's actually debunking, but it's a fun fact. Um, when you are using natural dyes, you have to have some sort of acid or some sort of salt, depending on the type of fiber that you're using, right? That okay. you're wanting to dye. So when women in Scotland used to dye their wool, 
they would collect urine from the men and then they would go into this hot ass room with this steaming ass urine and pour it on the the wall with the colors and they would dye that's dedication that's dedication to your craft it is absolutely nowadays we use vinegar yeah uh, so could you could you dye your dick pet fun colors why the fuck not (laughs) why not peepers is purple today Look at him flop around with his oats. <laughs> He's enjoying his porridge. <laughs> okay. Well, I we do know that salt is great for cleansing and banishing. That, you know, we'll toss salt around our house to banish negative or stagnant energy and to mm-hmm. chase the, you know, the ill-intentioned fuckers off. Um, so that makes a whole lot of sense, it's, except back in the day, the, everything, the thing that people were afraid of was witches. So right. where today, witches spread salt to chase off evil. In yeah. the Middle Ages, everyone was chasing off witches with salt. And honestly, unless you flick the salt directly in my eye, I am just going to look at you like you're insane and wasting some good salt. Right. And urine. Urine helps you mark your territory. And it's a tag lock for you if you want to make a witch's bottle. Right. So essentially what you're doing, if you're boiling somebody else's roofing tile (laughs) in your urine, you're just saying, this is mine. So you're like claiming that witch's house, right? Right. And then you can go over there and kick her the hell out. And now you have another house because you took her tile. Them's the laws of the Middle Ages. Yeah. Okay. All right. The next crazy witch belief is that they had sex with the devil and had salamander babies. Mm. Okay. The idea that witches had regular sex with the devil, women's uncontrollable sexuality being hugely dangerous and evil, obviously, only turned up for the first time in medieval European beliefs. But what supposedly happened after the liaisons would give serious pause to even the most dedicated witch. In 1663, a famous witch trial went down in Brunswick in Germany that entered the annals as one of the weirdest and most disgusting of them all. It concerned Temple Anek, otherwise known as Anna Rolefs, a poor but literate widow accused of devil worship and causing mischief. What? I just, I really want to know what the mischief is. Anyway, Temple Anek admitted to certain bits of white magic in quotes, like charms to help crops grow and nothing else. But under torture, she changed her tune. Shocking. Suddenly, she said that she'd made a pact with the devil, cursed people, and done various other witchy things. But the real shocker of the confession came when she said she'd gotten pregnant by the devil and had given birth to a bunch of salamanders. You have to give the woman credit for being inventive under pressure. Unfortunately for her, the story was a bit too credible and she was executed. Poor, motherless salamanders. Um, I don't... I mean, torture, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, she was tortured. I'm sure she thought if she gave them the ridiculous story that they wanted, that they might spare her life. And unfortunately for her, that did not work. But I don't have uh, 
salamanders. Maybe she had worms. I got, oh, I didn't even consider that there could be a physical bodily explanation like that. Because people Sorry, did have it worse. People did, <laughs> people did get worms back in the, the Middle Ages. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oi. Oi. Um, like, was there any? I'm thinking like how, you know, in modern witchcraft, I'm saying modern witchcraft because I honestly don't know how far back this goes. Mm-hmm. The salamander is this is known as like the representational spirit of fire, you know? Mm-hmm. So fire and brimstone hell the devil the devil i don't know if that was the connection or nope just yeah i don't know i don't know i mean were they cute salamanders you ever see those like fire belly newts i had a couple of those when i was a teenager and they were so cute (laughs) and i was their mommy i guess (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm just we'll just leave that one to torture You'll say anything to make it stop. So, yeah. 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 The uh, execution was probably the least of her worries by that point. <sighs> Fuckers. Yeah. Um, so, number seven is that women were natural witches because they were horrible, carnal liars. <laughs> um, I mean, that's what I do every day. I just walk around spreading filth and lies. <laughs> And humping everything along the way. Yes. My carnal desires are insatiable. Yeah, like, I keep reading it as if it's, as if the word (laughs) carnal is supposed to describe the type of liar you are. And I'm like, what the fuck is a carnal liar? But I think they just mean that you're carnal and you're a liar. Like, the worst of the worst. I know, it's hilarious. But Um, a carnal liar. All of our listeners were wondering, we are on this podcast to spread carnal lies. Carnal lies. (laughs) Not just regular ones. Carnal. (laughs) Carnal. Carnal lies. Um, Okay. This particular belief and several of the others that dominated medieval Europe ideas about witchcraft came from the thoroughly entertaining, uh, if really disturbing, book Malleus Maleficarum or The Hammer of Witches, published in Germany in 1486 as a guide to aspiring witch hunters. It's the origin of a lot of commonplace beliefs about witches of the time, uh, like the idea of the devil's mark, which is a mole that looked unusual or didn't bleed, which I would be fucked, let me tell you. As a pale white woman, I have moles everywhere. Right, but they're they're not supposed to bleed, right? I mean, I think if your mole bleeds, you have to go get it checked out. Or am I wrong? Yeah, but I mean, like, if you scratch it, it's going to bleed. Oh, well, yeah, if you scratch it. <laughs> this mole does not bleed. I'd be like, cool. Uh, that's, um, that's, that's, that's good. Good on me. But it also gets specific about what really sets up women to be witches. Women, according to the male writer, <clears throat> have slippery tongues are defective because of their creation from Adam's rib. Okay, but first of all, if it's defective because of the creation from Adam's rib, then Adam was the fucking defect in the goddamn first place. Let me just fucking put that out there. Adam had a fucking defective rib. It's his fucking fault. (laughs) And who created Adam's rib? 
I had a feeling that you were not going to get through this paragraph. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Let me see. Okay. I didn't even get through the first fucking sentence. Okay. Because of their creation from Adam's rib, are overpoweringly carnal by nature. They waver in their Christian faith, lie oh. all the time, are way too impressionable. Oh my goodness. And can't understand philosophy. Really, motherfuckers? Okay. <laughs> Hence, <clears throat> why they're so vulnerable to becoming witches and harming men. It wouldn't be that men keep telling them that they're stupid and weak. Of course not. <laughs> All right, or let's keep in mind. Let's keep in mind. Harming women. Let's keep in mind that these were a couple r- ripe assholes from 1486. <laughs> And just laugh at them. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But isn't it funny how, let's see, uh, 600 years later, they're still assholes like that? Uh, not, eh, some of them, some of them. Not all of them. Not all of them. Not all of them. I didn't well, say not... everyone. <laughs> I can think of a few. Uh, yeah, so this one might make you want to have a violent outburst for sure. Um, but I guess that would be your defective nature. <laughs> Oh, right, right. I'm sorry. Fuck. It's Adam's Come check out this defective handsaw. Penis pet (laughs) is sounding really good right about now. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Oh, peepers. (laughs) So basically this says that we were born to be witches, um, which, yeah, sure. (laughs) Why not? I don't agree with the reasons why, but okay, okay. And a lot of people might be born to be witches, a lot of men are born to be witches. A lot of non-binary people are born to be witches. So, so it's not just women that are carnal liars. It's a lot of people. Guess what, Heinrich? <laughs> <laughs> Got a lot of slippery tongues out here for you. <laughs> also, I've actually, and this is a total coincidence, but I have been um, slowly getting through the uh, Salem Witch Trials three-part series by um, last podcast on the left. Oh. That's what Boris has to say about that. (laughs) Um, It is absolutely hilarious and extremely well-researched, but... This just reminded me of it because they were talking about the proceedings of finding a devil's mark on a person that was accused of witchcraft. And it is so horrifyingly just degrading and abusive. Like they were looking at people's buttholes, looking for devil's marks or witches' teats or whatever. Teats. In in a Puritan community – where women didn't even show their ankles. Mm-hmm. They're just pulling them into, you know, the, the church or the tavern or wherever they decided, the judge's house, wherever they decided was the place to do it. Ugh, I can't. I really yeah. can't. Pisses Forrest off, too. History is dark, y'all. It is. History is dark. But, you know, in the spirit of all this, uh, I know that things are not so binary these days, thankfully, and I hope we keep going in that direction. Mm-hmm. And I also know that we have many male allies, and y'all are rock stars. So I hope you've been good good spirits through all this um, and are making fun of a few extra dumb middle-aged dickheads. 
um, dick pets. I mean, men, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be fair, we weren't really, I mean, it was that last one. I got a little mad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Well, I don't think we were too bad. Yeah. We were just having some fun being a 1486 person, let alone a woman could not have been easy. Uh, Right. And I might have flown off the fucking handle and cursed some people (laughs) myself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. Boris says he would too. (laughs) Um, Should we go over some old superstitions? Um, If you want to. Okay, so for a little extra fun, we have magic and superstition in the European Dark Ages. When I was looking for this list of real gems, I came across this one, which is just uh, fun because it basically explains the origins of our superstitions that are still prevalent today. I really want to read the God Blesses After a Sneeze Because I think recently we were asking each other why we say God bless you after someone sneezes. And I always thought that it was because of the old wives tale that your heart stops when you sneeze. So that if you're still alive when you're done sneezing, it's like, oh, God bless you. You're still here with us. But it turns out it's for a different reason. Well, I thought it was because when you sneeze, your soul leaves your body for a moment. That is very much almost on point with what this is. So, yeah, you got it. Here it is. <laughs> so, God blesses after a sneeze. One of the most well-known superstitions that is believed to come from the Middle Ages, that time again, is the need to say, bless you, after someone sneezes. There was a belief that sneezing gave Satan the opportunity to enter the body, and the person who sneezed needed to the help of God to exercise the devil. Saying God bless you was believed to be a way to keep the devil from entering the body and therefore save the person who had been sneezed. It was a way to explain the death that sometimes occurred after a person sneezed, and it instilled in people the sense that they could do something to help. So much going on here. Wait, what there the was, fuck? Yeah. People so I dying guess, after they sneezed? I guess. So we were both touching upon it because in order for the devil to enter your body, I'm guessing your soul would have to leave your body. And then they're talking about, you know, dying when you sneeze. So I guess we were both like almost there. There was also the prevailing belief that a person could sneeze out their soul. There it is. This was also counteracted by the person saying, God bless you or covering the face to keep the soul in. Not a hygienic reason, just no, keeping the soul not in. to keep your, your sputum yeah. from spraying is it sputum? Sputum. Coming <laughs> your face. Your soul will leave. It's too bad I have to miss out on your sputum, but let's keep your soul in your skull. <clears throat> I got my dog all riled up. <laughs> This was also counteracted by a person saying, God bless you, or covering the face to keep the soul in. The superstition was encouraged with the spread of illness during a time where there was little way to help people to overcome devastating ailments. Interesting that they decided to tell people to cover their face when they sneeze because it would keep their soul in. But in fact, it might have actually saved some lives by not spreading viruses or germs. germs. So they were 
kind of doing the right thing, but for the completely wrong reason. Yeah. It's like when you get the right answer on a test, but your teacher marks it wrong anyway because you did some batshit crazy shit in your, like, your formula, which always used to piss me off. But anyway, (laughs) I still got there. Yeah. Just because I didn't follow follow your weird ass order of operations. All right. What do you got? Oh, I love this one. Changelings. Mm, yuck. One prevalent superstition in me- medieval Britain, and I actually believe that it's more than just Britain, but that's fine, was the fear that a child could be taken and replaced with a changeling. One of the stories of the changeling comes from the tale of a blacksmith who noticed one day that his son suddenly became lethargic and was wasting away. The blacksmith was told that his son was taken and replaced with a changeling. To prove it, he was told to put water into empty eggshells and place them around the fire. The child then sat up and spoke in the voice of the changeling, stating that he had lived for centuries and had never seen something like that. The blacksmith then threw the changeling the fuck the blacksmith <laughs> then threw the changeling into the fire. That's not funny. <laughs> it, was, it was my reaction that was funny. It's not the changeling. It's <clears throat> the man journeyed into the land of the fairies with his Bible and the fairies, unable to harm him due to the Bible, returned his son. I'm sorry. I'm trying to understand that sentence. It just doesn't make, make sense to me, but okay. Yeah. The, the man journeyed into the land of the fairies with his Bible and the fairies, unable to harm him due to the uh, Bible, returned his son. Okay. Got it. Okay. Thank you, Margo, for for <laughs> no, it's fine. Helping me through some English there. I was like, why does that seem stupid? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> there were a number of unusual tests that people performed to try and see if their child was a changeling. They typically involved doing something so strange that it would draw the changeling out and surprise. One test was to place a shoe in a bowl of soup, and if the baby laughed, it was a changeling. Also, what? <laughs> also a waste of a good bread. shoe and a good bowl of soup. I know, what the hell? <laughs> I thought people were starving then. <laughs> Wasteful. Also, making bread inside of eggshells was said to be so amusing to changelings that it would cause them to expose themselves. All right, so let's try. Oh, here's uh, the number 13, troublesome phobia. The belief that the number 13 is cursed primarily had a religious reasoning in the Middle Ages. For instance, there were 13 people who attended the Last Supper, and therefore it was believed that 13 people at a gathering were a bad omen. Many believe that if a party was held for 13 people, whoever was the first to get up would be dead within the year. With this superstition, people of the Dark Ages ensured there would never be 13 people gathered together. In fact, the 16th century, it was claimed a person was a witch if they had 13 people together. So I guess that's where we get the idea that there's 13 witches in a coven, which is bullshit because there's any number of witches in a coven. Also, yeah, there's 32 in ours. Yeah. Also, the interesting <laughs> thing about this story of the Last Supper and the 13th guest being, you know, Judas and that being like the one who was going to murder somebody else at the dinner, that is exactly the same story as the dinner in Valhalla. No, Asgard. Asgard. Yes. 
where Loki is the 13th guest at the dinner table. And I believe it's the god Baal who ends up dying uh, by way of Loki doing some shit to him. And all the other gods uh, manage to bring him back. So, um, yeah, there, I mean, these stories reflect each other across many, many cultures, and they always do. But Christianity likes to act as if it's the only one with this mythology that just just happens to match so many others. Right, right, right. Interesting. Isn't 13 also, isn't there something to do with... Um, the When the Knights Templar was eradicated, yeah. murdered, rather. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was Friday the 13th. So uh, supposedly the Pope gave the order to assassinate the Knights Templar and it was a Friday the 13th. And ever since then, that is considered an unlucky day. Okay. Okay. I see. Very well. Yeah. 13th. 13 in numerology, though, I think is actually a really good number. I can't remember what it actually means, but we know that Friday is ruled by Venus and that is all about love. Mm -hmm. So... It's all a bunch of criminal. Cr- think of the word. It's all a bunch of malarkey. Malarkey. I love that word. Cockamamie. That's what I couldn't think of. I tried to say cockamamie, and instead, instead, came out. I don't even know what the hell that was. I was like, I know it starts with a k sound. It was cockamamie. Cockamamie malarkey. Oh my god. Heinous fuckery is also a good one. Heinous fuckery. All right, should we do one more and then call it a day? <laughs> sure. Uh, let's see. What do we have? What do we have? Oh, I did like this one, even though it's kind of fucked up. But the the bride's garter. Well, pretty much all of these have been fucked up, so let's just do That's it. That's true. I don't know why. I was- <laughs> 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 Bridal garments were considered blessed, which is funny because at the time, I know that very few brides actually felt blessed. <laughs> they were sold, weren't they? I mean, basically. They were yeah. part of a, of a- An exchange between transaction, father and- Like a business yeah. transaction. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Sorry. I digress. Bridal garments were considered blessed. The bride would have all her clothes ripped from her. By the guests oh. on the wedding night as everyone tried to snatch a piece. Ouch. Gradually, attention focused on the bride's garter ribbon, which is a symbol of sexuality and fertility. Colonel liars. Um, <laughs> in medieval times, unmarried men fought for the bride's garter. Okay, and they still do. I don't know why it says in medieval times, but <laughs> uh, to ensure they would be the next to find a beautiful and fertile wife. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't do this, though. Bachelors even mobbed the bride as she stood at the altar, throwing oh her God. to the ground and ripping the garters from <sighs> her during the wedding ceremony. Fuck when this. The church prost- I know. <laughs> when the church protested, the custom evolved to the groom removing the lucky ah. garter from his new wife in the bridal chamber and then tossing them down to the waiting men. I will tell you, my first marriage, my husband removed my garter on the dance floor and tossed it to the men. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I think that's pretty normal now. That's that's basically <clears throat> what happened at my wedding as well. So it was – okay, I was young. I got married at 26. 
it's right now it seems like it was insanely young but at the time i was ready and we were still together so fine um so my wedding would be different now if i'd planned it now versus how it was when i was 26 there would be certain traditions that i just would have thrown out the window because i just don't understand them and don't care about them um so you know of all these traditions we did we did the garter we you know did the garter and we threw the bouquet and you know what it was actually fun you know we played fun Mm -hmm. we played fun music we played give it away now by the red hot chili peppers while you know my husband took the garter off my leg and then flung it into the crowd um and i can't remember what was playing when i tossed the bouquet but it was fun and then the person who caught the bouquet and the person who caught the garter they danced with each other it was just a good time but like when you when you learn where these traditions come from you're like oh god now that suddenly is terrible i'd like to know how the bouquet came about yeah something tells me it's not quite as as violent as that right (laughs) the dogs are not into these stories i know they're like these they're like, it's this terrible. is some dark shit. Why are you? Why aren't you like talking about nice things like you typically do? Oh, sorry about it. Actually, that would be a fun episode talking about. No, he doesn't think so. Talking about all the wedding superstitions and stuff, you know, and where they come from. He doesn't like that either. He's not into it. <laughs> all right, so this episode is going to air. When we're at Anahata's, I believe. Yes, ma'am. So, yeah. That's all I have to say about that, actually. Very well. I love that um, when I'm recording, my my whole family disappears and just lets all the dogs come sit in here and bark and play with their squeaky joys. Hmm. Well, maybe they're just letting you know that this is the worst story time that they have ever sat through in their entire lives and human beings are totally fucked and they don't get it (laughs) that's okay it's okay they're sweet boy well i guess then that means we should move on to card pull and spell let's do it and just to remind everyone i already said it but i just want to be careful we are this is just all in good fun these are Real, actual, wackadoo beliefs from the Middle Ages. Mm -hmm. We are not in the Middle Ages anymore, thankfully. Um, And even though that this is a, you know, we're basically discussing a lot of tragedy because these people who were accused were also, you know, persecuted and some of them were executed. And that's not funny by any means. But we really need to learn about history in order to never ever repeat it and sometimes we need to learn about how fucking stupid some of that history was and you can't help but just laugh at the stupidity so we are laughing at the stupid assholes who did the heinous things not the poor victims of said assholes that is and we hope that you were able to um, enjoy this and laugh along with us yeah all right let's move on you got a card pool for us i do today i decided that since we were talking about these poor women that were, and some men that were treated so poorly. I decided that I would pull from the Roar Oracle by MJ Colonnane. That's that wonderful with wonderful one with all the historical women. Um, I actually, I wish I had pulled Boudicca, but I did not pull Boudicca. I pulled Julia Child, but I do love her. So that's fine. Julia Child was born in 1912 and she died in 2004. She was an American chef and television personality. From Julia, I would far prefer, should I do it in her voice? (laughs) 
I'm not going to. Okay. I would far prefer to have things happen as they naturally do, uh, such as the moose refusing to leave the mold, the potatoes sticking to the skillet, or the apple charlotte slowly collapsing. One of the secrets of cooking is to learn to correct something if you can and bear with it if you cannot. The message I take away from Julia Child is to embrace the errors in life, learn from them, and then let them go. If something isn't working the way you expected it to, then so be it. It wasn't meant to be. Focusing too much energy on what went wrong closes the door to enjoying all the things that went right. If you need help coming up with a new dinner menu, ask Julia to come down, come on down and join you in the kitchen. If you pull Julia's card in the reading, you may want to consider making something new for dinner. Oh, I'm hungry. Perhaps get out of your comfort zone. You may also want to consider if you are letting perfectionism get in way, get in the way of enjoying life. Speaking of culinary efforts, I did put up on the blog. Yummy. The, uh, chili recipe that I posted on Instagram. So it's there. Go get it. Yeah. Uh, just to bring a little attention to that, we do have a blog on our website. Um, it's got a few posts. We've got some book reviews. We are planning on filling that blog with book reviews. Um, and we also, I really love the idea of filling it with some recipes as well. Um, mm -hmm. And then every once in a while I'll be sitting around and I get like a nugget that pops into my brain and I'll decide to just write about it. So the blog is just completely free form, whatever we feel like adding to it as we do. But if you enjoy reading blogs, especially witchcraft mm -hmm. related blogs, come check it out. We also have a spell archive where we put in writing all of the spells that we share on our episodes. And we have a resources page where you can find links to all of the tarot cards, oracle decks, um, books, 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 um, and even like what we're drinking and products we talk about. Yep. All that is in our references. Yes. Um and also, if you're one of those people that, like me, gets on the internet and tries to look up a recipe and gets absolutely aggravated that you have to scroll through 25 pages of how things came to be, I don't do that. You get one paragraph and the recipe, and that is all. <laughs> so Easy. Yeah. Yes. I actually, I, okay, I, I know why they do it. You got to have a lot of content. It's in, and. They're just talking about their process, a nice, a nice long blog post. But yeah, dude, I always scroll directly mm -hmm. to the recipe. I'm not reading any of that. Yeah, I do appreciate the ones that have the little button at the top that says jump to recipe. Yeah, that's great. I mean, sometimes yes. they're like, hey, if you've decided to use a crock pot, you do this. If you prefer to use a, what's the other thing that's not a crock pot? A pressure cooker. Pot. Instapot, mm -hmm. do it this way. So that that's useful, but it's usually like yeah. a couple bullet points directly above the recipe after paragraphs right. and paragraphs and paragraphs of choosing meat. Like I, I just don't, I just don't. Care. Yeah. Like if it's something I've never made before, that's actually technical. Like say I don't know, um, phyllo dough or whatever. Then I will read the actual process. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, like one time I made a mushroom Wellington, and I read the whole article because I absolutely needed to. And you know what? That shit turned out fantastic. I love me a mushroom Wellington. I oh, love it Wellington. Was so good. Yeah. 
But yeah. did you make your puff pastry or did you buy it at the store? Oh, I bought that. Meh. Not making puff okay. pastry. I was going to ask you how, which, <laughs> which technique you used, but never mind. The credit <laughs> card used- technique. <laughs> okay. That's fine. That's good. That's good. It is much easier that way. But I'm still proud of myself. I'm proud of you too. <clears throat> yeah. All right. So <laughs> as I said before, <laughs> it was a spell. It was magic. I am sharing a spell from the Grimoire Journal, a place to record spells, rituals, recipes, and more by Paige Vanderbeck. Paige Vanderbeck is the host of the Fat Feminist Witch podcast and the author of Green Witchcraft, a practical guide to discovering the magic of plants, herbs, crystals, and beyond. So I have decided on the Create a Sunny Honey Calcite Charm Bag. We figured this sounded really uplifting and fun. And this episode was supposed to be uplifting and and fun, even though we covered a whole lot of dark material. (laughs) All right. So the solar plexus is the seat of your willpower, focus, and determination and ability to roll with whatever comes your way. Honey calcite is a beautiful pale amber stone that can help you remain focused on your goals, maintain the energy to complete long-term projects, and keep your sense of humor while you're at it. Items needed. One piece of honey calcite, solar herbs and flowers such as marigold, cinnamon, chamomile, or shamomile, and sunflower, <laughs> a small yellow drawstring bag. So you're going to fill your charm bag with your chosen ingredients, the taking the time to thoughtfully consider the energy of each item that you put in the bag. And then to activate your charm bag, you breathe your intention into it three times before tying it closed. Repeat this anytime you need extra courage, willpower, or energy. And then I love that. Yeah. Very simple. I had a Marco moment where I was like forgetting that I could just respond. (laughs) I thought you were frozen. I was was, but not (laughs) for any other reason than my brain. It's because you're defective, you carnal liar. I'm, I'm sorry. It was Adam's rib. <laughs> I wonder if Adam we could. Was defective. I wonder if we could suggest uh, to Macy and Charlie over at the Witch Bitch Amateur Hour if "Defective Carnal Liar" can be the next Rock Snake song. That would be great. Yes, that sounds awesome. <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> you're a defective carnal liar. <laughs> I don't know. I'm immediately picturing an 80s hair band singing that. Oh, yeah. It's got to be an 80s hair band. Mm. <laughs> That's funny. All right. All right. Well, ready to get the hell out of here? Yes. I am. Please don't get mad at us about this episode. We had some fun with it. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to get mad. And if they do, I'm sure they'll tell us about it. So, you okay. know, yeah, yeah. you can. Uh... And it'll be our first, like correspondence and and even though we're getting yelled at i'll I'll kind of be excited about it yeah (laughs) i don't really want our first mail to be hate mail (laughs) all right guys we'll see you next time see you next time (laughs) you can find us on instagram and facebook at the hearth and hedge on our website thehearthandhedge.com or you can email us at thehearthandhedge at gmail.com Our address is the Hearth and Hedge, P.O. Box 397, 
Cherry Hill, New Jersey, 08003. We also have a Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash the hearth and hedge. If you like what you hear, consider leaving us a review wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you.